This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Laura Stacey coming up bottom of the hour. We'll talk about uh, PWHL Montreal and Toronto. Big game on the horizon there. PWHL Montreal, the uh, the class of the, uh, the league so far. We're still plenty of runway to go. Uh, in the meantime, the headline story around the NHL today, one of the things we'll discuss here with Elliot, Yarmo Kekalainen has been dismissed as general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, here from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, here he is, Elliot Friedman, fresh from Toronto and Philadelphia skate, and we'll get your thoughts on those two things in a couple of moments. But the headline story of the day, Kekalainen out, to which Elliot Friedman says what? Well, unfortunately, I think the writing was on the wall, Jeff. I, I think we all thought this was going to happen. It's just a matter of when it was going to happen. It's just been too hard a year. And there's, there, it's one thing to lose games, um, but you mm-hmm. take a look at the controversy around Mike Babcock, uh, the unhappiness of some of their young players, um, you know, Yurasek, uh, um, uh, um, Kent Johnson, um, uh, Voronkov uh, and the fact that he almost went home at one point in time. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, like, I, I don't think each individual case on its own was a problem. But when you look at the overall situation, you just get to a point where it, it's time. And, you know, he, he was the second longest serving general manager in the league. Um, you know, he had a he had a really good run. You cannot argue that. Uh, he wasn't given uh, enough time to do what he needed to do in Columbus. But I think it just got to a point where it was time and everything that went wrong this yeah. year was just bad for bad for the Blue Jackets and, and bad for Kekalainen. You know, one of the things, Elliot, that I wondered about, you know, was there sort of, you know, one thing, one straw that broke the camel's back, one tipping point? You know, was there a moment because I think we're all curious you know here we are February the 15th and this announcement comes out and it's three weeks away from trade deadline and I understand your point about things accumulating and it it reaches its its boiling point eventually um, but I again like I don't know that we know the answer to this or will maybe even ever find out the answer to this but would you consider the possibility that perhaps there was something that Kekalainen wanted to do with the team, maybe a trade, maybe a demotion, maybe a call Are, up, are you trying a, to lead me into what. something here? No, I'm not. I'm just saying as a hypothetical here, because I think we're all trying to figure out why now this close to the trade deadline. Why, why now? Like why, why would they, why they, the, the, the timing of it is weird. Like John Davidson this morning at his press conference mentioned that he had back surgery and, you know, it was sort of, you know, delayed conversations and decisions, etc. I I just wonder, you know, could there have been something that Kekalainen wanted to do that everybody above him said, no, we don't want to do that. And moreover, if we're not going to let the general manager do his job, what's the point of going further? Like normally that is a sort of chain of events here. Hold on. We're blocking him from doing this. That means there's really no point in going on here. Well, I, I think this, I really think after the Babcock situation that, that we were get that, that, and the statement that the ownership put out at the time, everybody there was on red alert. Um, that, you know, if this season didn't go well, then, uh, yes, uh, I, I think that they knew that, that we were coming to the end. So when you asked me if there was one specific incident, I just think that after what happened with Babcock, everyone was on notice. They knew that if this mm-hmm. season didn't go well, it was going to be time. I do think that 
yes. Um, ownership was taking, I don't even know if it was ownership, uh, or I just think a lot uh, more look was being made at um, Kekalainen's decisions. And I do think that there were some right. things that he thought about or looked at that there was some pushback that might not have been there in previous years. Yes, I, I do think that was the case. I just think at the end of the day, they knew that they were going to be making a change, Jeff, and they just said mm. we might as well make it now because the decisions that could get made now might not be where what the new regime thinks. Like, like one of the things that I think is kind of going on here is Jenner. Okay, um, hmm. I don't think I don't think the organization wants to trade Jenner. I, I, I don't think they want to do that. But I do think there are teams calling. And you know what happens, Jeff? It's like it's like when you want to date someone, you see someone as a potential partner, and you ask them, and they say no, and all of a sudden you have two ways to go. You can say, okay, that's a no, or I just have to work harder. And I think there's a little bit of that <laughs> going like, on right now. Yeah. I remember some of the career advice I got from Jim Rose, from the Jim Rose Circus back in 1997, who said, you're going to come to a place in your career where, and there's no obvious choice, you'll only realize it in hindsight if it was the right decision. I said, what's that? And he said, you're going to make a decision, you're going to have to come to this crossroads, and here's the question. Should I quit or work harder? And there's no obvious answer at the time. You only find out about, oh, I don't know, 12 or 15 years later, whether you've made the right decision or not, but we all go through it. Um, does this affect, you think, I mean, you mentioned Boone Jenner, and I'm with you. I think like I think ownership really likes Boone Jenner. I, I don't even think that it's just, you know, management. I think that, you know, we've seen owners get attached to players too. I think they really like the fact that he's a Columbus Blue Jacket and occupies the spot that he has. Do you think this affects Columbus's trade deadline line at all i don't know I, I i don't know what to make of it i'm not sure of that yet um i just think that what it says to me is that they just were at a point where they were like whatever we just can't we they just felt that whatever was going on behind the scenes he wasn't the one who was going to make the decisions that whatever mm -hmm. is like, like I think there were times this year, Jeff, where he thought about, is there a trade I can make futures for now to help us have a better season? And I'm not, I don't think they wanted that. Uh, but then now you're, now you're probably, you're not thinking that way. Right. Like the one thing I think about right. Kekalion is I think he's a really good evaluator. I, I, like, like I think he knows hockey. I think he knows players, and I won't be surprised at all if he ends up in an organization helping them make decisions on players. But I think that uh, because I think he knows players really well. Like someone pointed out to me today, when you go back to Finland, where he was the GM, who is on his roster in Finland? that they won a championship with. It was Tim Thomas and Brian Rafalski before those guys won yeah. Stanley Cups in the NHL. 
Like, I think he knows players. But I just think that there were things that happened this year that really, unfortunately, blew up in their face. There were a lot of unhappy players. And you just get into a situation where you've got to make the change. And I think that's where they were. Uh, names have already started to emerge, uh, to no surprise. I mean, everyone's sort of wondering, okay, when this, uh, when this search concludes, who will be the last person standing? Uh, Matthew Darsh's name is uh, out there. Uh, surprise, surprise. Um, who, who else would you consider for this job? And the, the way that I phrased it off the top of the show is, you know, this is going to take, first of all, a lot of energy. Uh, this is going to yep. take someone that has an enthusiasm and a lot of patience as well. There's a Gordian knot with the salary cap here. It's never a good thing when you're capped out, but you're last place in your division. Welcome to Columbus. Um, who would be some of the names, given like given the job that's on the horizon here? And this is a desirable job. Like You look at all the prospects that are that are coming here, and you mentioned David Juracek and Adam Fantilli's already there, and I've mentioned Danton Matejchuk, and you mentioned Voronkov earlier as well, Kent Johnson. Like this is good. This has the potential to be a really good team here. When you look at what the job ahead is for the Blue Jackets, are there any names that come to mind for you? Um, I'll tell you uh, this. Um, one of the names that um, really jumped into my head was was Mark Hunter. And the reason I say Mark Hunter is that Rick Nash is there. And Rick Nash obviously From knows the, the Hunters very well. Um, hold on one second. Guess what I'm doing at the same time that we're doing this? Uh, texting with a potential general manager for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, no, I'm trying to buy Neil Young tickets. Um, so I just had to, I had to complete that first. <laughs> well done, old man. Look at my life. Um, anyway, so, uh, so Mark Hunter, like there's the Rick Nash connection there. Uh, now I don't know yep. what the future is of the, of the entire Columbus staff. I think there's a lot of very bright people who work there. Um, uh, but you know, who's in the Columbus front office, Basil McRae, Josh Flynn who's, and Josh. Yeah. Flynn. yeah Basil McRae. Yep, yeah. For sure. Yeah. So Basil McRae has got a long history with Mark Hunter. And so when I first thought this, like you always look at connections, right. And, uh, yeah. that like who knows who. And so Mark Hunter was a name that really jumped into my head. I'm sure like, honestly, I think there's going to be a lot of people who want this job. Like they have, a lot of good young players. They have an ownership <laughs> that is very good to work for. And you know what? Like, if you've ever been to Columbus, it's it's a really good place to live. It's not New York or it's not L.A., mm -hmm. but it's a really good place to live. So, plus there's only 32 of these jobs. So, I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of interest in this job. But the first name that jumped into my head is Mark Hunter. And I also do believe that... The, the Blue Jackets have asked the league uh, about the possibility of, like, who should we look at? Well, we, we just want our listeners understand that. Like, teams do this all the time. With the uh, with the NHL, like who are the candidates? You know who are, who are some of the, mainly for for newer ownership groups. 
but it isn't uncommon for teams to to lean on the NHL office and say, who do you think we should be looking at here, correct? Yes, uh, that is. Um, that That is definitely true that they often ask, um, but I, I believe this process had started a little bit ago, so this was kind of on the radar. Um, but you know what? I, I'm curious to see, like, are they going to hire, like, a firm or anything like that? Um, hmm. You know, I so, like, I always wonder about these kinds of things. It, it kind of goes three ways. It's you ask the league, you see, does anyone have yep. anyone that they recommend internally, or do you hire an outside firm? And as you know, like, Davidson, I haven't had a chance to watch the press conference yet because, as you said, I was at Skate today. But I saw some of Davidson yeah. quotes, and one of them is, you know, people call you. You know, this is a business, Jeff, where they don't wait for the body to be cold, right? Like, they, they call oh, you. Yeah. They do. Um, a couple of things. Before we get to uh, Philadelphia and Toronto, and that's uh, one of uh, a number of games on board, 12 of them tonight around the NHL. Uh, the Panthers beat the Penguins yesterday 5-2, to two, and this has been a really tough spell for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, how much more in focus uh, are things becoming now for Kyle Dubas? And again, we'll you know circle the name Jake Gensel, who unfortunately left, left the game last night in the third period, but... Um, it's not as if they don't have the room to sign Jake Gensel. They can. It's only a matter of are they going to continue to double down on this thing? Do you think last night's game against the Florida Panthers sharpens the focus now for Dubas? Uh, well, like, like I don't think that uh, – like I think Dubas has been prepared for either eventuality. Um, I don't really believe that um, – like one game is going to change anything. I, I really don't. I that's just not the way Dubas thinks. Like he's a like by now we should know one game is not. Actually, I should say that because I think there has. I think the for example, I think the David <laughs> Ayers Zamboni <laughs> driver game actually did change his opinions on some things. Yes. So you're right. You know, but yeah. mostly he's a process guy. I think he looks at bigger picture. Yeah as opposed to smaller picture. Um, you know, I, so I, like I refuse to believe a, a 5-2 loss to Florida in the second week of February is going to say, okay, that's it, we're done. You know, the other thing we have to wait here is the Penguins obviously didn't have a morning skate in Chicago, and we'll see if Mike Sullivan has an update on Jake Gensel. Because Gensel got hurt last yep. night, didn't play the last 12 minutes, and, you know, that's a big deal. How serious is that? Hopefully not. But... I don't think that changes it one way or the other. You know, the thing about Dubas is I think he, I think everybody knows what the price is going to be. It's going to be similar. He's asking for something similar to Giroux-esque, and, you know, he, he yep. can wait. He's He's not afraid to be patient. It's essentially the uh, equivalent of two first-round draft picks. Um, okay, Philadelphia and Toronto. I was having a conversation with someone this morning, and I'll, I'll share it with you here. Given the uh, the question marks around Ristolainen's injury, can you see a scenario where the Philadelphia Flyers, a trade deadline, do nothing? I think it's possible. You know, I, I think that... Um, you know, we'll see what happens with, um, you know, we'll see what happens with Ristolainen when we get an update here, how serious this is. 
Like, I don't think it matters. If, if he's going to be out till just around the trade deadline, I, I don't think that matters. Um, you know, as, lo- as long as he can play um, and teams are interested, then I, I don't think it's a problem. Um, I, look, I, I think they're setting prices on some of their guys. Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk about Walker, but I, I think they want to keep him. Um, I think the prices are high, uh, price is high on some other guys. Um, you know, the center price, we're talking about a lot, and it's just been high in general. Um, I got to say, I, yeah. I can't, um, I, I can't, I, I got to say, I, I'm wondering about a lot in a team like the Rangers. Like, that's a team I've kind of wondered about for him, too. Be interesting to see how Philly and the Rangers all feel about dealing with each other. But that's one of the teams I've kind yeah. of wondered about. I, I guess it's always possible, uh, Jeff. But I think it comes down to, like, can they make deals with some of these guys in terms of signing them? Um, if you don't think you can sign some, because I do, I do think Philly has lines. I think they're like, we want to keep Sealer, but it has to make sense. We want to keep Walker if we can, mm-hmm. but it has to make sense. And I think that's what it comes down to a lot of these. And I think, you know, I think they want to keep Konechny too. He's eligible for an extension in July, but it has to make sense. And and I think it's going to come down to, do they get conversations that make sense? Um, speaking of making sense, uh, make sense out of the appeal, Morgan Riley's appeal of the five-game suspension. I think a lot of us looked at this and said, we can't see a scenario where the NHL goes against their own Department of Player Safety. Yeah. I talked to Kristen Schulten about this in the in the first block and compared it to sort of a, a fool's errand or the uh, you know throw a snowball at the sun. How do you how did you greet the news that Morgan Riley is appealing his five game suspension? Well, I mean, I'm not surprised anymore because it's the third time this year that they've had an appeal for something that only goes to Batman, right? So clearly, this yeah. is this is a, this is a strategy now, Jeff, that they're going after all this stuff. Um, now he upheld the McAvoy, he upheld the Anderson. Um, I went back and I looked at he he has changed one of Paris's suspensions on that didn't go to an, uh, he has changed one of Paris's suspensions before, and that was one that could have okay. gone to an in, independent arbitrator, and that was Spetz's. He changed it from six to four. And if you remember and you yep. go back and you look at why he changed that one, he changed it because Neil Pionk got hurt and he came back sooner than expected. And, um, you know, and so that was the reason that Bettman used to drop that suspension by two games. But the thing is, it's not comparable here because Greg has not, um, you know, Greg has not missed any games and he's not injured. So mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think it's a long shot. I think it's very unlikely. This just says to me that, you know what, like Riley's really bad and he wants to take his chance. And, you know, someone said to me, the the big winner out of this might be Perron because he's looking and thinking he might get one game check back because he got six and Riley got right. five. We'll see where it all heads. Uh, what's the mood around both teams? Is, is is it still Morgan Riley mania around Toronto, and is it all about the new captain in Philadelphia? Well, it, I I think the Morgan like it, someone said to me, "Gonna uh, get write a piece about Riley getting five games and appealing." I said, "No, like I I'm at this point. I, I think I said everything. <laughs> I don't know what else I could possibly say about the Riley suspension. And I think once you get to a point where yeah. 
they give you five games. Like, that's the reality. You just have to deal with it, right? Like, maybe you get lucky in the appeal, but there's no sense in complaining anymore. It's over. So that's the way I look at it. I think I think one of the things we were kind of wondering today was what would Toronto's lineup look like because of all those guys who were out sick. You know, Tavares and Marner missed a game, and Nylander missed practice yesterday, mm-hmm. but it sounds like all those guys are going to be able to play. So, um, and I think, you know, everybody was wondering, Timmons had mono. All of a sudden, did all these guys have mono? And if anyone out there has had mono before, like, that's not something you come back from quickly. So... So yeah. I, I think everybody was glad to hear from the Toronto point of view that that's not the case. You know, Philly, we did talk to Couturier this morning. He was really good. Tortorella was really good. The the dumb league quote came back. It was hilarious. Um, but you know what? Mm-hmm. Like, I think the biggest thing you noticed, and I was talking to a few guys there, is hockey's fun in Philly again. You know, uh, last year mm. it was not fun. The end of last year was really hard for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, I, I, like, I don't know what they expected, but I don't think they expected this. But, like, just everyone there is in a good mood because they're playing in games that matter. The job is not done. There's still a long way to go. But in this sport, what results speak, right? And losing sucks. Mm-hmm. And they're not losing as much. And uh, that, that's the one thing that really stood out to me is that, um, those guys are really enjoying going to the rink. They like where they are. Uh, it's been a great season. Like, it, it really has. Like, it's been punching over the weight seasons. One of the best stories in the NHL. We'll see where this thing heads, uh, trade deadline and beyond. Um, weren't with you yesterday, and I'm, I'm curious your, your, your thoughts on this one. Uh, it's always a better league when Phil Kessel is in it. Uh, you yep. know me, Elliot. Uh, I love to have, you know, hockey f- hockey dreams and hockey fantasies. And in my fantasy Stanley Cup this year, it's Vancouver faces off against Boston. And making it even juicier is the presence of Phil Kessel as a member of the Vancouver Canucks. What do you think we should know about Kessel and Vancouver? You know, I, I watched a video yesterday, and uh, I was like, "This is not. This is not going to be good." Um, you know, like one one of the things that just bothers me about Twitter is that uh, it is just like the the pile on nature of it. Like, uh, you know, one person makes yep. a joke, and then everybody feels that they have to make a joke. Like, it's not just enough to make a joke about something, but we just have to pile drive people into the ground. Like, and not just into the ground, like 20 feet in, Jeff. It's not, you can't just have a surface wound. You really have to go through with it. I mean, look, like, I I look at it this way. I think, I think that Kessel went to Vancouver and the Canucks brought him in there with the, with the understanding unless something really went wrong here, He's going to sign. Now, I don't think one skate is uh, indicative of anything. I'm sure that um, – but I, I was under the impression, and I heard this from several places, that things would really have to go sideways for him not to sign. So let's just see how it works out. Um, uh, unless, uh, so until I'm, I, I hear Vancouver is really unhappy, I think this marriage is going to happen at some point. Um, but I still think mm-hmm. the Canucks, they have a lot going on. And you know what? Like, uh, I, like, at the beginning, I didn't know what to make of this guy. Um, I, I really like him. I think he's got a great outlook on life. Um, I, I, yep. At times, I would think if I was a coworker of his, it would, it would drive me absolutely insane. 
Um, it's like the person who never studies but gets A pluses. But, you know, I, I like him. I think he's funny. <laughs> and uh, I think he's fun for the league. You know, let me uh, – I, I don't disagree. And that's why I say, like, uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a wonderful hockey universe, we see uh, maybe not a total repeat of 2011, but we see the same teams. And the presence of Phil Kessel involved in that just makes that storyline much juicier. Okay, so – had a conversation with someone this morning and we were talking about trade deadline and this person said to me i'm not so sure that anything is going to happen with eastern conference teams but you can be sure and this was someone from the western conference that the western conference will very much be the busier conference remember last year where everything went west to east like everybody in the east just absolutely loaded up and he was saying, like, look, you know, um, in the in the Eastern Conference, you know, the Boston Bruins have already, like, they spent a ton last year. Florida has spent a ton. Tampa may keep their powder dry because they need two defensemen. Uh, we've talked about the Maple Leafs maybe not making anything significant. The Rangers don't want to let go of their first-round pick. We'll see with the injuries. Maybe Philadelphia doesn't do anything. Carolina may end up doing something here. New Jersey may end up doing something. But then he said, like, look, you know, Dallas is going to make a move. Colorado is going to make a move. Maybe Winnipeg makes one more move. Vancouver still has another move here. Vegas will make a move. Edmonton will make a move. Los Angeles will make a move. Do you see the Western Conference as being the busier of the two conferences? I I think it's possible. I, I don't. I don't know what I don't know if I would say I would guarantee that yet. To be honest, I haven't thought about it. But the thing I the thing I do think is I do think Edmonton's going to try to do something, hit a home run. I I I, yeah, I do I think that. Vegas. Yeah. I always think about Vegas. Um, the one thing I'm really curious about with Vegas is where is it going to be? Like like I, I like I do think Vegas. Will do is inclined to do something, but I'm always wondering where. Like you look at their lineup, and and you know Theodore's now skating in the regular jersey, and Eichel is on schedule for around the end of the month. Like when you look at that lineup, and like for the other thing too is, they don't have Stevenson signed, they don't have Carrier signed, they don't have Marcheseau signed. But I don't think it's like they're going to worry about whether or not these guys are going to sign or not. I think they're just going to go for it. Like, I really look at that roster and I wonder, where's the move? Where Now, I'll say this. L.A., he- I, I do think they're looking at some goalies. I, I do. I, I like. There's just too much on the line here. And I, I like, I, I don't know about Markstrom. I've thought about Merzlikens. I've thought about Saros, who has suddenly gone from no way to, yeah, it's possible. You know, there's some other teams out there I wonder about. Um, yeah, I, I do think LA goaltending. I'm, I'm, I'm really, and like obviously, I think their problems are bigger than that. But goaltending can solve a lot of your problems. Like goaltending is like fresh uh, coat of paint on the house. Doesn't look like a fixer-upper anymore. <laughs> Here, here's what I wonder about with Vegas. And this would take some creative stick-handling here. And we've talked about this name before. I look at Vegas and I say, all right, Carrier is, you know, injured right now, but, you know, he'll, he'll be on the horizon. I don't think this is going to, you know, keep him out 
the one thing, the one position that I wonder about here with Vegas is left wing. And because of that, I wonder about Anthony Mantha with the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, it would take some retention from Washington, certainly, to make this happen. But if there's one area that I do look at with Vegas, it's the left side. Does that one make any sense to you? Again, this is not a report. This is you and I spitballing on a Thursday afternoon, just shy of 1.30 Eastern. That's the one area that I that I look at with Vegas. Because I'm with you. Like, Vegas, Vegas is going to take a swing. They always do. They're Vegas. That's the one area that I look at. Left wing, Elliot. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I think that's fair. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily think you're wrong there. I've wondered. Um, I've wondered about where the move is there, and that's probably the right spot. But that—that's the one thing I. I think they have such a great lineup. Where do they go? That's probably it. You're probably right. By the way, I'd like to thank uh, yeah. Dave Amber. Who pointed out that Kekalainen okay. was third highest, third highest GM, Doug Armstrong and Kevin Sheveldayoff. I love that we have live fact checking from uh, from DA here on the program. And uh, Amber just have and him Amber in- <laughs> loves to tell me when I'm wrong. He loves it. Uh, Elliot, uh, we all do. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I know, it's not I know, exclusive. It's it's not exclusive to David. Um, anyway, we'll uh, we'll talk soon more on the Columbus situation. We'll talk later on this afternoon for the podcast and have that ready for tomorrow morning. Uh, so very much look forward to that. Uh, enjoy the snow in Toronto, and whether you are on your way to the gym or on your way to lunch or wherever, enjoy it, and we'll talk soon. All right, buddy. Speak soon.